We're starting a new series that we're calling This Is Love. We're talking about love, one of the most foundational and important concepts in the scripture. And I'm believing for this series to be a life-changing series. And so I want you to believe with me for that. I got three basic ideas that I want to deal with here as we introduce this series, This Is Love. The first thing is that love is a foundational and indispensable part of Christianity. It is just a core concept of Christianity. The second thing is that something will always be missing and broken without love. And the third part is to encourage you to truly seek to be made complete in love. My early years as a believer, when I would read certain scriptures, they would just sink in in a powerful way. Now it's been over 30 years that I've been a follower of Christ, a believer in Jesus, and been reading the scriptures diligently. And now it's a little bit different. You know, the big ton of bricks kind of impact of the scriptures isn't quite as heavy as it was in those early years. But I can still remember those moments. And I remember reading Matthew 5, verses 46 through 48, and just thinking, wow, this is powerful, powerful stuff. So let me read these verses, Matthew 5. 46 through 48. Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about loving your enemies, which is an incredibly challenging thing to think about. And this is how he finishes up that small section of scripture. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. We're going to talk about that word perfect here towards the end of the sermon. But what it says, verse 47, one of the phrases in verse 47 really caught my attention. It says, what are you doing more than others? What are you doing more than others? Are you different because you follow Christ Or are you just the same as everyone else? You know, we're called out. We're called out of this world and the ways of this world into the ways of God. We're called out to be different. And we're called out to respond to people differently than this world does. So if we just fight with those who are our enemies, if we just respond in the natural ways, then we aren't changing and grabbing hold of the way of the people of God. And so the question Jesus asks is, what are you doing more than others? You know, if you greet only your own people, if you only talk to your friends, but you don't talk to other people, well, what are you doing more than others? You're just following the natural inclinations that everybody, the followers of Christ or not go with. So what are you doing? What's more about you? I want to be someone who follows Christ and who does the things that God asks of me not just the things that naturally come. And I believe that Christians should be world leaders in various different ways, that we should be leading the world in various different areas. You know, in this context, love. We should be world leaders in love. We should be absolutely the authority and the leaders in the world on love. But Is that how it's actually going? You know, I came from outside of Christianity, so I know how we're perceived. 
We're not perceived as loving people. We're perceived as judgmental people who hate various groups of people with a deep, seething, unreasonable hate. That's often how we're perceived. And that's very unfortunate because it's a complete deception of what the scriptures are really all about. And if we as Christians don't live that out, the love of God, if we don't live that out, we're going to deceive people. I've also heard people talk about basically that they don't love people. You know, you hear people just complain about other people. You hear people say different things that really indicate that they don't have an understanding of what it means to love people and to love God. They've kind of given up on that idea of love because love is a foundational and indispensable part of Christianity. So let's look at some scriptures in Matthew 22. Very, very important verse here. Jesus is asked what the most important commandment is. Matthew 22, starting in verse 36, says this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. In Mark, it adds all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All the law and the prophets, the ways of God, the understanding of God, the truths of God, hang on loving God with all that you have and loving your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is clearly elevating love to a very profound place that we need to love God and we need to love others or we're going to miss it. Then let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the great love chapter. We'll talk about this more as this series goes on. But this is really talking about relationships in church, even when they're strained. That's the context. If you go to chapter 12, chapter 14, we're looking at love as part of how we relate to each other in church. So let's read first Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, and then also verse 13. It says this, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then verse 13, the end of this chapter says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Look at these amazing abilities and accomplishments that are described in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, speaking in the tongues of men and of angels, having the gift of prophecy and fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, faith that moves mountains, you know, give all that possess to the poor, doing all of those things, but not loving other people amounts to nothing. And faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. Love is foundational and indispensable. First John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 
Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So look at that. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is an important concept that we see repeated in the scriptures is that if we don't have love in our hearts, then that means that there's a connection with God that's missing within us because to know God is to know the love of God and to share the love of God for others. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's a powerful, powerful statement. And then verses 20 and 21 of the same chapter, 1 John chapter 4, make the same point. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now it says brother and sister. The context really means your fellow believer, the fellow believer. Of course, we are to love family members, love our neighbors, even love our enemies. But this is specifically talking about loving fellow believers, the other Christians, your brothers and sisters in Christ. If we don't love one another, then it says here that if we say we love God, we lie. Clearly, if we love God, we would love our brothers and sisters in Christ. First Peter chapter four, verse eight says this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins above all. So this is chapter four. Peter's been talking about all kinds of really, really important things. And then he says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. That means that in our imperfections and our failures, when we love one another, it still works out. It still goes okay. We can't intentionally sin. We can't mess the thing up and then expect to get bailed out by love. But if we are trying, but everybody, of course, makes mistakes. But when we love one another, that covers over a lot of those mistakes. It covers over a multitude of sins and things still work. The body of Christ still functions when we love each other, even though we're imperfect let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We need to be able to understand and believe in the love God has for us. Then back to 1 John. 1 John 4, 10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. God loves us. If we don't understand the love of God for us, then we're not going to be able to understand the basics of the gospel and the motivations behind it. Our last verse along those lines, of course, we've got to do John 3.16 if we're talking about Love here. So John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world, all the people of the world, all the peoples of the world, so much that he gave his one and only son that we would not perish, but have eternal life.
What an incredible blessing that only can be understood by knowing the love that God has for this broken world, these broken people. The love of God is profound and powerful. And then the last reference that I want to go to talking about the love of God is Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. These virtues are amazing. Forgiveness, patience, gentleness, humility, kindness, compassion. Above those, over all of those virtues, put on love. Because love will hold them all together. Love will make it work. So there are literally hundreds of references about love, the love of God, the love God has for us, that we are to love God, the love God has for this broken world, and that we are to love the people of this world as well. Literally hundreds of references Love is a foundational and indispensable part of Christianity. And we must not dismiss love as either unattainable or as fairy tale religion. So let me just talk about this for a second. Whenever we are told to do something in the scriptures, it's attainable. We can get there. God is not unreasonable. He's not going to tell us to do something that's impossible just so that he can have something against us that we didn't obey him. That's not how God works. He has things he tells us to do because it's the best way. It's the most excellent way. And we want to grab hold of it and believe that we can get there. It's usually a battle and a struggle, a developmental process that we have to get to, that we have to train ourselves for, and we work over time to get there. But it's attainable. To love people is attainable. And it's also not fairy tale religion. I think too many times people, they read something in the scriptures and they just sort of, maybe not consciously, but they kind of dismiss it as, yeah, yeah, you know, that's a cute idea. And they see it as fairy tale religion. Love is attainable. It is not fairy tale religion. It is foundational and indispensable for Christianity. So if you are endeavoring to follow Christ, to live the ways of God, you must grab hold of the way of love. Love is foundational and indispensable. Part two, something will always be missing and broken without love. This is true for you personally as an individual, and it is true for the body of Christ. It's true for the church. If you are missing the part of the gospel, which is the love of God for you, for this world, your ability to love God and love other people, if you are missing that, Something will always be missing and broken in your life. Something will always be missing and broken in the church. Now, I want to clarify. I think this is pretty obvious, but I know that at least one person made a significant mistake in interpreting 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. I want to reread that 
and make sure that we understand that this is talking about love for other people and outgoing love towards others. This isn't talking about being loved. So again, verse one through three of chapter 13, first Corinthians, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my bodies to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. This having love, it's not having people love you, having the most Uh, people following you on social media, having the most people talking about you. That's not what this is uh, talking about. This is talking about loving others. No matter what you've accomplished, no matter how skilled you are, no matter what incredible abilities you have, it doesn't amount to anything if you don't love other people. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about. So it's saying that something's going to be missing if you don't love others. You're going to be missing something. Something's going to be broken if you don't love others. And what you love will determine much of your destiny in this life and in the life to come. If you love money, if you love being right more than you love the truth, if you love power and position, if you love the darkness of this world, wickedness, sin, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, If you love violence, hurting people, what is going to come in your life if those are the things that you love? It's going to be bad. It's it's going to be hurtful. There's going to be disasters. Money won't love you back. You know, if you're all selfish and proud, that's going to take you to a bad place. If you love the darkness of this world, the wickedness and violence of this world, that's going to bring you to destruction. But if instead you love God, you love your neighbor, you love the truth, you love your wife, you love your fellow believer, even you love your enemies, then what will come? What will come to your life in this world? And of course, if we love God and we love all these things and we trust that God will bring us to eternal life, we trust that. But good things will come in this world and we will receive that great declaration, well done, good and faithful servant, and we will receive the blessings of God, if we love God and love others and follow through. Without love, you'll never be able to understand, truly understand the gospel or the ways of God. You won't be able to understand the motivation of the gospel. You won't be able to understand the motivation uh, behind the rules in the scripture. And in fact, I would even say without love, the gospel itself is sabotaged. Don't be party to that. You know, the gospel is to bring the love of God to the world. If we don't love people and we try to do that, it sabotages the whole thing. It causes a serious problem. And I believe it's so important to see that if we don't have love, we're not going to be able to understand the gospel and the ways of God. I would even say if we fully grasped love and all the aspects of this, that it would solve the legalism, cheap grace problem. How is that? Well, legalism is basically people trying to follow rules, but they never really ever get it because they don't love people. It's not motivated by love. It's motivated by trying to follow the rules. And they never really understand the rules because the rules have their foundation in love, both loving God and loving others. And if you don't 
get the love of God, you're not going to understand the rules and then you're going to just follow them in foolish ways and it slips into legalism. And then with cheap grace, here's the deal. Love believes in your potential. Love believes that you can overcome, that you can rise up into something magnificent and wonderful. Love doesn't leave you in a place of weakness and foolishness and say, oh, it's okay. Love helps you get stronger. Couple verses on that. Revelation 3:19. Revelation 3:19 says this: Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. What does God do for those that He loves? He rebukes and disciplines. He prunes the branch that bears fruit so that will be even more fruitful. Love believes in your potential. Go in Old Testament here, Proverbs. 1324, this is a verse that's been widely misunderstood, but if you understand it from a love perspective and that love believes in potential, Proverbs 1324 says, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Now, this isn't talking about being abusive. This is talking about training your children because you love them and you want them to have a good life. And so you want to bring them into their full potential. So you're trying to help them because you love them. You're not just going to let them wander around and fall into whatever foolishness they might fall into because you're just trying to be supportive. You're not going to do that. You're going to correct them. You're going to love them. You're going to discipline them because you, you care. So if we truly understood love, I think it would solve the legalism cheap grace problem. Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be fantastic. So point number one, love is foundational and indispensable for Christianity. Point number two, something will always be missing and broken without love. So here's point three. I want you to truly seek to be made complete in love. That's what I want you to do. Truly seek to be made complete in love. Understand this is a process. We must be patient and diligent. It's a process of grabbing hold of the love of God, trying to find the fullness of the love of God. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, that part in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about loving your enemies. It's just uh, amazing. Let's read the whole thing, 43 through 48. So here Jesus is speaking. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Now that word perfect, I'm not sure that's a very good translation. What it means is complete or fully grown. Sometimes the King James translates that word that here is translated perfect as the word man. What it means is not a boy, but a man, not a child, but someone who's fully grown up, someone who has matured, who is complete, who is full grown. So that's what perfect means. It means that we're full-grown, mature, complete. To me, that means that it's a process of growing up. We grow up into the love of God, to the place where maturity and completeness is where you can even love your enemies. That's a powerful, powerful place to be. 
But I want to tell you, the point of that is that it's a process of maturing, of becoming complete, of growing up in your faith. And so be patient, but be diligent in truly seeking to be made complete in love. And this process starts with loving God. Our part of it starts with loving God. Now, if you already love God, I want you to do two things. First thing, cultivate that love. Build on it. If you love God, meditate on how much you love God. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in worship. Go ahead and love God. You've heard the the old saying, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. I heard somebody else say the grass is greener where you water it. And I believe that is a powerful, powerful statement. So if you love God, don't be thinking about the other things in this world that, you know, don't water that in your mind thinking about, oh, wouldn't it be neat to do this and that and be straight away from God? No, spend time with God, cultivate that love of God, water that ground. And that will be where the green grass grows. So cultivate the love if you already love God. And if you already love God, the second thing I want you to do is let that river flow out. The love of God naturally translates into loving others. If you think you love God and you've just got it all bottled up and it's just between you and God, then there's something not quite working there. You've got to let that love flow out. A mature follower of Christ loves others. Let your love of God grow into loving other people. But what if you don't love God? I'm just being, being real and being serious here because there's a lot of people that don't love God. They might be mad at God and they might hate God. They might not know God at all and not even care, but they don't love God. What do you do if when you look in your heart, you're listening to the sermon and you're like, I don't think I love God. I mean, I, there's nothing in there that seems to make sense of loving God. What do you do now? Okay, I got three things for you. If you don't love God, what do you do? Number one, get to know God. Getting to know God is very important. You're not going to love God if you don't even know God at all. So get to know God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Get to know God. Pray, study the scriptures, worship. You'll get to know a God that loves you, that loves you right now, even if you don't love him. This is love that he first loved us. So get to know God. Second thing is reject lies and biases. I mentioned earlier that I came from outside of Christian circles, so I know what people outside of Christian circles think about Christian people. But also, I noticed that there were certain lies and biases that were believed in the circles that I used to be in. Lies about who God is, lies about the people of God, strong biases, These are things we've got to get out of our heart because a lot of people have a strained relationship with God because they've believed a false theology. They believe the lie about God. They believe things that aren't true. And so you've got to seek this out and get rid of the lies and the biases that you believe that you have been taken captive by. So get to know God for real, for who he is, not the opinions of various people and all this other stuff that can be false, can be biased, could even be lies. So we want to reject those lies and biases. And let me tell you, there are a lot of those out there. So you got to be very careful. I love religious freedom. America is great. Hallelujah for religious freedom. Let me tell you, anybody can say whatever in the world they want. They can make up anything. So you got to be very careful who you listen to. 
So reject the lies and the biases. And then the third thing, this, this is a bit counterintuitive. So the first two go first, get to know God. When you see who God truly is, that'll help you be able to reject the lies and the biases and really make a, a true connection with God. And then follow Jesus. Step three here. If you don't love God, follow Jesus, put your faith in God, trust in him, yield to him because some things about God, you just can't get to know until you put yourself in line with him and you go follow him. There are things that you can only learn by following Jesus. So if you don't know God, first step, get to know him, then push out those lies and biases and then come to follow Jesus and you'll truly see the depth of who God is. Now that's a lot to process. I think I've been cranking through this pretty fast. I want to close with 1 John 4.10 and 1 John 4.19. We've read some of that earlier, but I think we're looking at love. And I said, as far as for us, it starts with loving God, but there's something before that, which is that God loves us. The power of love begins with the love God has for us. And 1 John 4, 10, that we read, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Maybe one of the lies that you believe is that God doesn't care about you. He doesn't even like you. He doesn't love you. He does love you. Get to know him. You'll find out he loves you. He, he dearly loves you. He loves you right now. No matter where you're at, where your heart is at, where your mind is at, he loves you right now. He so loved the world that he sent his son to die for sinners. And then verse 19, we love because he first loved us. The love that we see that God has for us, when we truly grasp it, produces a reaction in our hearts to love God back to see ourselves through his eyes, to understand our value and to understand the beauty and the glory and the goodness of God. So we must begin with understanding that God loves us. None of this will make sense unless you know and truly believe that God loves you. And let me tell you, he does. God truly loves you. So we're going to pray and I want to pray for divine revelation of the love God has for you. Because without understanding that, again, all the rest of it won't make sense. If you've got a prayer need, I really encourage you to send an email to prayer at goodhope.ag. The prayer team checks those on a daily basis. You'll have specific people that will pray for you and respond to your email, and you'll be able to get into a, a great prayer relationship there. Get some prayer. Email prayer at goodhope.ag. But let's pray now and believe to understand the love that God has for us. So Heavenly Father, you are so good. Thank you that you love each one of us, that the one who is hearing my voice right now, that you love them. If they've been told something different, if they believed something different, Lord, I pray that you would just destroy that lie in their heart right now, and you would reveal your love to them in a powerful, profound, lasting way. Lord, thank you that you love us, that when we fail, you don't crush us, but you forgive. You are slow to anger and abounding in love. Your whole plan is to redeem us and to bring us into your family and to give us everlasting life. Your love is deep and profound and wonderful. We love you back. 
Lord, for those who are having trouble believing in your love, I pray, Lord, by your spirit, you would touch them and just help them to see the love you have. And Lord, help us to receive that so that we can love you and that we can love others and walk into the maturity of believing in you. So Lord, bless us and encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen.